It's not the love that's in your mind It's the love that you might find It's gonna save our lives I found out It's not the love that's in your mind It's the love that you might find It's gonna save our lives I gave my trust to the wrong man again The wrong man again Well, it happens all the time It happens all the time And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by the man himself, John Paulson. What's going on, JP? Uh, I'm, I'm mourning the loss of the Warriors. We're recording this uh, in the past. I don't know. When are we recording this, Anthony? You can expl- explain <laughs> to the people what's going on. Yeah, we're recording. We're actually recording on Friday. It's being posted on Wednesday. So if you if John is still down about the Warriors, it's because it just happened last night as opposed to, you know, four or five days ago. Right. Well, I'm sorry about your Warriors, but a lot of injuries there. Tough to overcome. Definitely. <laughs> you're, you're like, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about this. Uh, all right, well, tell us about the music then. Uh, this is uh, Head in the Heart, one of my favorite bands. They just came out with an album, Living Mirage. Uh, I think it was last Friday. Well, you know, in the time, in the in the the Back to the Future situation we have going on right now, um, I found out is the name of the track. It's the number nine track on that on that album. I put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, uh, which you can find on Spotify, or if you can't find it there, you can go to any podcast post on the website, and there's a link uh, for the playlist there. All right, today we're going to preview the AFC North and AFC East by asking and trying to answer the burning fantasy questions for each team. We've done this the last couple of podcasts. We're moving on to the AFC North and the AFC East today. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that our early bird pricing ends at the end of this month, so at the end of June. Not only will you get 17 to 20% off uh, your subscription, whatever subscription that you want, you'll get between 17 and 20% off, but you're also going to get a free $35 coupon for any league at FFPC. You can join one of their 35 best ball leagues or one of their bigger money leagues, considering this is the cheapest plan at 4 for 4. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, considering the cheapest plan at 4 for 4 is 24 bucks. It's really a no-brainer to sign up. It makes total sense in the world to get a $35 coupon for any league at FFPC. Uh, I'm not going to insult anybody intelligence, John, but you'd be insane. You'd be insane not to sign up. One one other note, we're recording this again. We're recording this on Friday, releasing it in the fo- on the following Wednesday, so if news broke or any situations with teams changed between now and then, don't get mad at us. That We're explaining what's going on. It's a bit of a pre-record situation. We're trying to release one pod per week through the rest of the season, and of course, as John and I have family obligations and fan and uh, vacation and things like that to do before the season starts. We're trying to make sure that we get to everything in a timely fashion and, again, release content for you every single week. So in this case, we got to re- pre-record. Let's start off with the AFC North with the Ravens. They went 10-6 and last year, even though they changed quarterbacks midseason. They went extremely run heavy with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. They ran all they ran the ball 341 times, only passed it 100, 188 times in his seven starts, including the playoff game. That's a 35.5% pass rate, which is something that we haven't seen in years. They were at 63% passing rate with Joe Flacco for the first nine games. So it shows you 
how how stark the contract was, uh, uh, contrast was. John, do you think that the Ravens remain that run heavy, or does Greg Roman call more throws than he did a year ago with Lamar Jackson stepping into his second season as a quarterback? Uh, well, I would expect them to throw a bit more than what they did last. I mean, I, that's that was way extreme. Uh, so I do think that they throw the ball a bit more, but I don't think they are even a half, you know, 50-50 type team. I think it ends up being about 40-60, which is what I have them projected for right now, 40% pass rate. It might be a little bit higher than that. Uh, we'll see what they're working on and doing in the preseason and, and what their pass run splits are with Jackson in the preseason. I might adjust that a bit, but um, I'm definitely expecting them to run the ball a lot with Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson. All right, how many carries do you think Mark Ingram sees? He comes over from New Orleans. A lot of people thought maybe that he would re-up with the Saints, but he goes into now a crowded backfield in Baltimore. So how many carries specifically for Mark Ingram, and then how do you see this backfield shaken out in Baltimore? Well, I think they signed him because they want him to be the lead back. So just looking at what Gus Edwards, uh, in terms of touches and or, uh, carries, uh, what he saw with Lamar Jackson uh, he, had, he averaged uh, 17.5 carries per game during the, that span with Jackson at quarterback. Uh, so, you know, Ingram, if he stays healthy, plays 16 games, gets that same workload, you'd be looking at about 280 carries. That assumes that the Ravens run the same number of plays and have the same 35% uh, pass rate. But, you know, you probably are going to regress a little bit. I have him at 246 right now. Um, you know, missing. I pretty much project all the running backs to miss one game because that's typically what happens. Uh, on average, uh, so I have him at 246, but he's got some upside there in that offense, and I think you know he's a he's a safe, pretty safe pick in the fourth round. I've seen him drop into the fifth round a few times. Um, it is crowded backfield, but there's going to be so much volume uh, that I think uh, he's a, he's a safe pick. Let's move on to the Steelers now. They have to replace both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. We saw how they dealt with the Bell situation last year, but now Antonio Brown is traded to Oakland after he was, you know, uh, basically forced his hand, forced the Steelers' hand to trade him. How do they do it? I mean, how do they do do it with both Bell and Antonio Brown now gone? Well, we saw a preview of what they were going to do at running back last year. It was a lot of James Conner, and then when James Conner, uh, got injured. Uh, it became Jalen Samuels' show. Uh, they also uh, drafted uh, Benny Snell. So I think, and we, there was a news item yesterday. Um, yesterday for us, again, uh, James Conner said that they were gonna. He thought that they were gonna spread the touches out uh, more evenly this year. So I think we might see a uh, more of a committee uh, with Conner being the lead back. He's a, he's probably the, the number one runner, and then maybe Snell as the, the backup on first and second down. And then uh, Jalen Samuels, since he's such a good receiver, he's going to take a lot of the Le'Veon Bell uh, receptions and his role in the passing game. So I think that's how they're going to design that offense. So I think Samuels is actually, um, in PPR formats, kind of a sneaky pick because he's you know going love in the 12th, 13th round, uh, pretty cheap there, and he's probably going to have some big games PPR-wise when he uh, catches four or five passes for 50 yards and a, and a touchdown. So... That's what I think they're going to do in the running game and in the passing game. Uh, We've talked about James Washington a few times on the spot already. I just wrote an article about him. I think he steps into a lot of those targets that Antonio Brown uh, vacated. Uh, They also signed Dante Moncrief, who I think was just sort of a safety signing, but now I think he'll be in there uh, on three receiver sets with Washington and Smith-Schuster. The the Steelers like Washington. I think that he's going to be the 
the primary beneficiary from Antonio Brown's departure. Uh, I think Vance McDonald can also uh, raise his game and uh, have a bigger share of the uh, the target pie there as well. So he's uh, bound to have a good season if he can stay healthy. I think health health's the big question for for Vance McDonald. There's a huge buzz in Cleveland. So moving on to the Browns with Odell Beckham joining their receiving core. How much does the this help Baker Mayfield's bottom line? And talk to us a little bit about, you know, with Odell Beckham being with Eli Manning in New York, now at Cleveland, uh, what does this do for the young Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I, you know, I've seen a lot of hype surrounding Baker Mayfield, and I don't know that it's unearned. I think it's justified. He played very well last year, especially after Freddie Kitchens took over the play calling there in Cleveland. Uh, he averaged 19 points per game from week nine on. That, that was after Kitchens took over. Uh, he was the number 10 quarterback on a per-game basis in that span. Uh, so you st- start to throw in an Odell Beckham into this into the mix, and you can see why he's going top five, top seven uh, quarterback right now. Uh, if you look at what Eli Manning did with and without Odell Beckham, his splits are ridiculous. He averaged 268 yards and 1.77 touchdowns per game in the 40 ga- 47 games with Beckham. I think that goes back uh, three years and just 226 yards passing and 1.12 touchdowns without him. So, you know, Beckham in the lineup really, really helped Eli Manning, which is makes sense. How much will he help Mayfield? I guess, you know, he's playing, he played very well without Beckham last year. So is he going to go insane or is he just going to go up? Uh, his number is going to go up a bit because, uh, you know, maybe his ceiling, he was closer to his ceiling than Eli Manning is uh, or was without uh, Beckham. So, uh, I think I think it's justified to have Mayfield in the top ten. I think top five is pushing a little bit, but you know you start getting into where one of these drafts where everybody's waiting on a quarterback and you can get Mayfield ninth tenth round. I think that's uh, that's good value there. Uh, he he probably would be going earlier in drafts, especially in uh, drafts in Cleveland. Any concerns about Nick Chubb after the Kareem Hunt acquisition? I mean, Nick Chubb was really good in the second half once they fired Hugh Jackson, they fired Todd Haley, they replaced uh, they, they replaced essentially both of them with Freddie Kitchens, who, t- who took over as not only the offensive coordinator, but eventually um, was elevated to head coach in the offseason. Greg Williams was the interim after Hugh Jackson was left. Regardless, any concerns about Nick Chubb after they formally acquired uh, or signed Kareem Hunt last year following his uh, ousting in in Kansas City? Uh, I am not worrying about it too much. I did downgrade him a bit when they uh, signed Hunt, but then Hunt, again, is suspended for the first eight games. Um, So he's not returning until week 10, then he has to get sort of into the offense. I don't think they, you know, bring him in in week 10, and now he's, uh, you know, in a 50-50 timeshare with Nick Chubb. I think Chubb was excellent last year. Uh, running the ball. I think he'll continue to be excellent. This is going to be a great offense, and uh, he should be the primary beneficiary in the running game. Uh, Duke Johnson is still there. They're, they're going to use him for the first couple of months of the season. Um, but I think once Hunt comes back, then those two are kind of battling to be the, the backup to Chubb. I think Chubb, Chubb is going to be a safe uh, RB1. Let's discuss the Bengals now. With A.J. Green back in the fold, does Tyler Boyd have a chance to match his number 16 finish from last year, or is he bound for a, a, to take a step back in terms of wide receiver rankings? Well, his numbers were interesting last year because if you look at his splits with Green uh, versus his splits without Green, uh, they're, they're actually the, the opposite of what you would think. Uh, with Green, he's been better. Uh, 6.1, it was nine games with Green. 6.1 catches, 80 yards, 
6.56 touchdowns with Green. Uh, those are low-end wide receiver one numbers. Uh, he was averaging 4.2 catches for 62 yards, 0.4 touchdowns without him. Uh, still pretty good numbers there. Uh, but with Green in the lineup, he was significantly better. So you could see Boyd, if that continues, you'll see Boyd pushing Green and you know for number one targets in that offense and the number one fantasy production in that offense. And uh, you're, he's going to be a very, very good value pick where he's going because he's, he's not going until, I don't know, sixth, seventh round right now. Uh, he's an up-and-coming receiver who has already produced with Green in the lineup. I wouldn't be worried about him. Andy Dalton has three top 12 finishes in his last seven seasons, which is kind of remarkable when you think about it because Andy Dalton is often you know viewed as just this mechanical game manager who, you know, can barely tie his shoes. Uh, but three th- three top 12 finishes last seven seasons. You think he could do it again? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, top, tw- top 12 is probably pushing it, but he he will be a good streamer this year, especially if uh, Green stays healthy and Boyd stays healthy because he's also got uh, Tyler Eifert at tight end. Joe Mixon can catch the ball as well. With Green in the lineup, last 24 games with Green in the lineup, he's uh, played at a 28 touchdown, 3,600 yard pace, uh, which, you know, the touchdowns are nice. Uh, the, the yardage isn't huge. That's about 220 something yards uh, per game. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, he can also run the ball a little bit. Uh, so when Green's in the lineup, he's been, he's been you know, top 20 for sure. Uh, so I think, you know, he'll, he'll get nice matchups throughout the year and, and streamers can use him. Uh, things would really have to go well for him to be a top 12 quarterback, especially with the depth at the position this year. But uh, I suppose it's possible. Anything's possible. But um, I definitely look at him as, as a value because he's going, I don't know, 25, 26 off the board at his position. He's probably going to outproduce that if those guys stay healthy. Let's move on to the AFC East now and the defending champs. With Rob Gronkowski retired, Josh Gordon suspended for now, and Chris Hogan moving on. How do the Patriots replace that production in the passing game? Uh, I'm sure you're going to get uh, a ton of questions about this throughout the course of the offseason. So where do you think that production is going to come from in this New England passing attack? Well, I think that they probably shift to more of a power running team. Uh, they run the ball a little bit more. They don't go crazy like the Ravens, but uh, they, they lean a little bit less on Tom Brady in the passing game and, and more on their good, strong running game because uh, they do have a good offensive line. But to replace the targets, you know, Julian Edelman, I think, is a fantastic value right now. In the He's been going in the fourth round in some drafts. I think he's, he's worthy of a third-round pick, especially in PPR formats. Um, and then after that, they've got Kill Harry uh, as, the, as the rookie coming in. He's been uh, impressing them in spring training. I think he's probably the most likely uh, – to, to pick up a significant number of, of the uh, targets that Rob Gronkowski vacated. Uh, they still have Philip Dorsett as well. And then James White has always played very well with, uh, with Gronk out, so he may uh, end up being more of a consistent uh, force in the passing game. How does the backfield also shake up? You just got done talking about the passing game. You got Sony Michelle, though, James White, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris. You got all these running backs. Who, who winds up getting the bulk of the carries? Does it wind up being a committee? And if it's a committee, who do you think has the most value fantasy-wise? What about this Patriots backfield? This is like Groundhog Day. We, I think we <laughs> talk about the Patriots backfield every offseason, and we're all, you know, it's, it's a big mystery. Uh, and then usually the guy who's being drafted first doesn't deliver. 
Uh, that is Sonny Michelle right now being drafted first, unless um, you're maybe in a PPR league and maybe James White is going off the board in the fifth, maybe fifth or sixth round. But I think White's role is safe. I think it's Michelle Burkhead and Damian Harris there fighting for carries and some of those peripheral catches uh, after James White. Michelle just had a uh, scope, I think, in his knee, or he had one this offseason. That's why he's not at uh, practice or he's not at OTAs. Uh, so, you know, they, they went out and drafted Damian Harris, which was kind of alarming to people. So this is going to be a camp battle, and we'll see how long, how quickly uh, Harris can uh, get into the fold and then how long Michelle's out. So if he's not practicing for a while, uh, he may lose his spot. Um, so usually a scope takes about a month to recover, so we'll see if he's if he's back at, at the start of training camp. If he is, then he's probably going to be the lead back, but I don't know that he's going to see as many touches as he was seeing with, with a healthy Burkhead and, and uh, Damian Harris behind him. In Miami, a new regime, the one from New England, takes over. you got Josh Rosen, who was acquired on one of the draft nights from Arizona, and then you got Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in as a free agent at quarterback. Is there any value whatsoever in this Dolphins offense? Well, I think so. There's Even with bad teams, there's somebody putting up numbers. Uh, I wrote an article about Kenyon Drake. I, I've mentioned him on a previous pod. I think he's a very nice value in the fifth round, especially in PPR formats and full PPR formats because uh, he's probably going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. He's been watching tape of, of James White uh, and the system, the, how he plays in that system in New England. He's probably going to play the same role, and he can run the ball a little bit better than White. Um, probably going to be the primary ball carrier as well. I know they want to get Kalen Balage involved, but um, I think Drake's going to be on the field the most, and he's Certainly, if Miami's losing, uh, he's going to be catching some dump-offs uh, from whoever's playing quarterback for them. As far as the receivers go, it could be tough to project this team on a week-to-week basis. Kenny Stills is still there. They have uh, Devontae Parker as well, who's getting a fresh start with a new regime. And then the most productive guy on the you know per-game basis last year was Albert Wilson. He's I think he's got he's still out with a hip injury, um, but if he can get back and healthy, there's gonna, they're going to have three weapons there, and it's going to be difficult to say which one is the uh, clear number one because Stills is kind of a low target guy but uh, more of a big play guy and then Parker has all this uh, untapped potential and then Wilson was the productive guy so we'll see uh, who they end up leading I think that's going to be a headache trying to project them on a week-to-week basis but you know back to the backfield I think Drake's a, a solid pick. All right, the Bills revamped the receiving core. They added John Brown and Cole Beasley to a group that featured Zay Jones, Robert Foster, and Isaiah McKenzie from a year ago. Sounds like a lot of slot receivers there, John. Any value here? This is another tough one. I think John Brown is the most uh, qualified, uh, established receiver in this group. He was playing very well last year for the Ravens before they decided they're going to run the ball every time. Uh, so he's a good route runner, uh, extremely fast. He's a good match uh, with Josh Allen's uh, wish to throw it deep just about every time. So he could have a good year. I, I think he might end up with a nice season stat-wise at the end of the season, but week-to-week basis he may not be uh, super dependable. Uh, Cole Beasley probably catches the most passes, but uh, I think John Brown is the most productive. And they still you know, Zay Jones and Robert Foster. Foster was good for them last year uh, as well, so you have some deep threats behind Brown as well. So it's going to be tough, though, because this offense is just not very good. I think the one guy you can count on is probably Josh Allen because of his uh, ability to score points with his legs. Uh, he is going to probably develop a little bit as a passer, but uh, I'm not expecting a huge leap forward for him. Um, so 
in the passing game, I, w- I would look at Brown first, and then Josh Allen, and, the, and those two guys that you're probably probably pretty safe. And then after that, it's going to be kind of a, a toss up. All right, LaShawn McCoy seems to be on his last legs. He only had 3.2 yards per carry last year, and the Bills added Frank Gore, T.J. Yeldon, and then rookie Devin Singletary to this offense. Will any of these guys become a fantasy starter? Um, possibly. You know, you look at this backfield, and you you would think that after signing Gore and Yeldon and then drafting Singletary, they would have to cut somebody uh unless they're, you know, going to get rid of their whole, all their younger running backs. I guess they could keep four, those four, uh, and then maybe cut Murphy, Marcus Murphy. Um, but I kind of feel like they're going to drop one of these veterans. And, and Gore seems to be doing better, or at least he did better last year than LaShawn McCoy. T.J. Eldon is a dual threat uh, running back, so he's got some value because he can contribute in both uh, areas, uh, both running and receiving the ball. Um, I, I, this is again, a very tough situation to project because you just don't know what the step chart is going to look like in August. I have a feeling there's going to be some changes and, you know, you, you think the one safe player in terms of having a roster spot is Singletary because they were, they just drafted him. John, is it safe to say that the Jets added some offensive talent this off season? They got Le'Veon Bell, they got Jamison Crowder, both those guys joined the team. Will Bell be able to post similar numbers to his days in Pittsburgh or is he bound to regress? The, uh, offensive line, uh, for the Jets is was not very good last year in terms of you know creating yards for their running backs. So I think he's his yards per carry is bound to regress from his career numbers. He's dual threat though, obviously a great receiver. So he should be able to produce as as a pass catcher as well. The the, the big question I think for him is touchdowns. Like he's not going to score probably as much as he did uh, in Pittsburgh with that great offense. I mean he scored a lot of touchdowns. Uh, the Jets are going to be better, uh, probably, but uh, they're not going to be some offensive juggernaut this year, and that's going to hurt. Uh, that's going to hurt Bell's bottom line. So that's why he's going off the board uh, towards the end of the first round instead of being a top three or four pick. And then finally, how does the Jets' passing game look this year from a fantasy standpoint? Well, uh, Sam Darnold showed some signs uh, of improvement late last year. He started to settle into his role. Uh, you know, the scouts obviously liked him a lot coming out of college. Uh, so he's sort of an upcoming uh, quarterback. It's a deep position, obviously, but he's going to be a streaming option. Uh, he's a, definitely a, a two-quarterback option, uh, two-quarterback leagues. Uh, and, yeah, I think he takes a step forward and he becomes a pretty consistent fantasy producer. He could push for QB uh, QB1 numbers if uh, – top 12 numbers, in other words, uh, if everything goes his way. Uh, the question mark is how quickly does he get in tune with Jamison Crowder? Uh, you know, Adam Gase famously used uh, Jarvis Landry quite a bit in Miami. So Crowder perhaps comes and plays that role uh, in a lot of slot slot catches for him. And then Robbie Anderson really took off late last year. Him and Darnold started to click. Uh, I wrote him to a couple fantasy championships myself, along with uh, Damian Williams and C.J. Anderson. Uh, but Robbie was one of my favorite players to watch late last year because he just sort of exploded. And that was with Quincy Nunwa getting sidelined. So you wonder if he's going to get consistent targets. Adam Gase has already raved about him, um, so hopefully they're figuring out ways to get him into that 7-9 to nine target range. If they do, then he's going to be a, a fancy starter. If he's down in the 5-7 to seven range, given his big playability, uh, he may have some very quiet games. Uh, so that's the concern there. And then at tight end, Chris Herndon, I think, is a, a nice sleeper late. 
uh, in drafts. He's going the double-digit rounds. He's He was number 12 in fantasy points per snap at his position last year, but he only played 63% of the snaps. So if he if he gets his – so there's some upside there. If he gets his snap percentage up to 80 – 85%, um, then uh, his points per game should rise as well. I think this is uh, certainly a passing attack on the rise with, with Sam Darnold, at quarterback. All right, that'll do it for John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stalter. Don't forget, we also have uh, an unbelievable deal. Early bird pricing ends at the end of the month, though. End of the month, June. This is it. A couple weeks. Not only will you get 17 to 20% off your subscription, but you'll also get a free $35 coupon for any league at FFPC. You can join one of their $35 best ball leagues or one of their bigger money leagues considering the cheapest plan at 4 for 4 is only 24 bucks. It's an absolute no-brainer. We'll be back next week with another uh, uh, podcast on, on divisions and kind of breaking things down from a fantasy, fantasy standpoint. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time here on 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast.